G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is a combination episode, uh, wrapping up the big Anzac round, uh, which finished on Anzac Day, two big games, which we will wrap up in full detail, but also previewing round seven. And uh, wow, the season's going quickly. It's been a bit of a whirlwind to start so many of those public holidays and split rounds and you name it um but we're across it and we are as usual always proudly brought to you by palmerbet get tackle busting benefits all this afl season thanks to palmerbet of course always remember to gamble responsibly as i say a very good evening in this case to my footyology podcast co-host Robert Shaw, is it all going to start settling down a bit, Shorey? Because it's been well, a whirlwind. You, you keep telling me it is, so I've been waiting because um, you know I had a good day. Went to the went to the footy, took my grandson. So that's always a a very special occasion. But uh, keeping up with the days in the week is quite difficult. So you've told me it'll settle down, and um, we continue to see the emergence of some up and coming teams and some really good strong performances by the. Uh, um, you know, the regulars. Well, we uh, talked about this the other day. You look at the top eight as we speak. Fremantle second, uh, Sydney a fourth, St Kilda a fifth, Carlton seventh, Collingwood eighth. I don't reckon too many people in the footy world, if any. In fact, I would venture so far as to say not a single person in the football world would have had that current top eight as their predicted top eight in 2022. Do you agree with me? Well, yeah, if it stops now, um, I think you and I thinking back, we certainly had Fremantle roundabout. We had Carlton roundabout. We had Essendon roundabout. We're out there. We had Collingwood down. They're up. Uh, the Saints, we, we didn't have an opinion on them because we had no idea what they were going to bring to the table under what circumstances. They've been outstanding. So uh, it's a really good season. I, I like this sort of stuff. It is. is un- yeah, it is good. Unexpected happenings. Uh, I won't labour on the fact that my premiership tip this year is currently sitting in 11th spot. And uh, as for that club, we both have a partiality to the less said, the better. But actually, we'll be talking about them in some detail very shortly. So let's not waste any more time. Two big games on Anzac Day, the Monday Let's talk about them. Well, the first game on a big Anzac Day doubleheader started at 12.30, this one, down in Launceston, and it brought together Hawthorne and Sydney. Really entertaining game, free scoring at stages, and for the bulk of this, Hawthorne leading the way and uh, an upset looking very much on the cards. But, wow, did the Swans pack a punch in the last quarter, nine goals, two, they slammed on to the Hawks' solitary goal in that final term. And in the end, 
41 points, the uh, margin of victory. Pretty uh, unreflective of the game as a whole. The final score, Sydney 16-13-109, defeating Hawthorne 10-8-68. The goal kickers, three to Ronk, likes playing against the Hawks. Three to Franklin, two to Warner, singles the rest. Really good spread of goal kickers, 11 individual goal kickers for the Swans. And for the Hawks, Kaczynski three, Bruce two, singles the rest. Well, talk about uh, turnaround. In fact, I think the turnaround in the finish was 73. 73 points. Thank you very much. Hawthorne kicking the first five goals of the game. Sydney, uh, three late goals in the first term to restore a bit of parity. Two goals to one in a much tighter second quarter. Ditto. The third quarter of a Swans, three goals to two. So uh, pretty close. Hawks still nine points to the good at the last change, but then a hail of goals from the Swans. Um, They're hard to read sometimes games like this where it's been pretty even, Stevens, to three quarters and then one side explodes. What do we take away from this? Is it a good performance from Sydney? Is it a good performance from Hawthorne? What do you make of it? Um, uh, Take away, you know, some good takeaways from Hawthorne. I'm still bullish about them. Uh, this is a real learning process for them and they can show they can really play. They couldn't sustain the running pressure. I think you summed it up when you said second quarter arm wrestle, third quarter arm wrestle. I think they just, a bit of the old Sydney, you know, ground them in, ground them in. And then in the end, the Hawks weren't able to sustain it. Sydney were great in close, quick hands, released them and used the big ground and, and, and the Hawks couldn't go with them, couldn't run with them. And, um, you know, that was resulted in a nine straight quarter. So they were gone down and out, worn down. A couple of points I'd like to make. I hope McCartan's okay. Been a courageous comeback. Been a terrific player for them with his brother in that back line. Well, so, just let me chip in there yeah. for people unaware. He uh, sadly failed a concussion test. Uh, there was some vision of him in the rooms looking quite distressed, obviously pretty anxious time for him given all the problems he's been through. So I think the entire football world, fingers crossed on that one. Logan McDonald also failed a concussion test. So they had two guys ruled out for the rest of the game with concussion. They, of course, will go into the concussion protocols and uh, miss this week. Go on. But, you know, you talk about Franklin and Kennedy and but. It was highlighted by, once again, the dominance by young players. Warner was very good. Goulden, excellent. Your man, McInerney, outstanding. But I thought the best play, like Callum Mills has had 37. His game was a treat. But another so-called unknown, for those that don't follow their football closely and just watch their own team, have a go at James Rowbottom any time you'd like to. Seven score involvements went into 17 centre bounces and had seven inside 50s for a near best on ground performance. And it's a beautiful balanced Sydney side. You know what? Uh, it's, I'm glad you said, uh, Robottom, because uh, your predecessor in the co-host seat, Finey, will tell you that I was pumping James Robottom up uh, not long after he came into that side. And I sort of, I wouldn't say forgot about him, but because he'd been there a bit longer, he sort of gets overlooked a bit now when you talk when you're uh, enthusing about the likes of McInerney and Warner. So I'd like to say my my uh, favourite three 
uh, Sydney Suns, uh, Justin <laughs> McInerney, Chad Warner, and James Rowbottom. They have got some seriously good talent. Gee, you're right on Chad Warner. Played a fantastic game. Glad you mentioned uh, Callum Mills too, because his move into the midfield in the last um, eighteen months or what, twelve months, something like oh, that. Oh, a couple yeah. of seasons now. Yeah. It's it's been a phenomenal success. He had thirty-seven disposals in this game, five tackles, three score assists, and a goal. Um, yeah, it's been yeah, he, he spent quite a lot of time on that halfback flank, did he? When you think back to the fact his first season, I think two thousand sixteen, um, yeah. a good a good four or five seasons on a halfback flank, or probably more before he's moved into the midfield. But that grounding. Has, is now serving him so well in that really senior role. And he is a wonderful player for the Swans. You know, we talk a lot about culture and uh, applying that to a certain club uh, we both uh, have close links to. But I tell you what, no club has had a better culture than this club for so long. And, and this is why they do it. This is why their development of players is always good. This is why the likes of Callum Mills always have a good apprenticeship and then become solid, fully rounded players. They don't take shortcuts. They do it well. They have great leaders who set the example. All the things that a certain club in the uh, northwestern suburbs of Essendon sorely lacks our adventure, but then I'm particularly annoyed at that club at the moment. It's it's shining through at the moment. I've just got to settle you down, (laughs) and we've got to be balanced and unbiased either way. Um, When you look at it, Hawks, Hawks... Hooks in this phases of these games were very good, but you've got to look at what is an actual dominance by Sydney across the board. 68 inside 50s to 42. That's a lot. They won the clearances 41 to 28. So that that's a key dominance in really good areas. So look, I'm not I'm throwing I'm not throwing Hawthorne out by any means. I think um, have displayed some really exciting and really good qualities. They're going to get better. So we're not dropping off them, Rowan. I think no. they're going to get better. And they met a red-hot team. And and don't forget, Hawthorne are playing in familiar conditions, familiar surface, down at York Park. And uh, I don't think you've got it there. So sorry about the question with that note. How often the Swans been there, you reckon? Uh, I, I haven't got it. Well, they did... They beat Hawthorne down there in 2012, the same uh, year they beat them in the grand final. And that might have been, in fact, the last time they played them there. Uh, All right. What's your your thoughts on Hawthorne, mate? You you know what? Just a couple of points. I've got to say, never ask a question you can't answer when it comes to a recorded format. I used to tell Finey this every week, but we'll get it. What, no, you no. can't answer a question, what did you make of Hawthorne? No, <laughs> the question before about Sydney <laughs> oh, at your Oh, park. sorry. Yeah. What do I make of Hawthorne? I think yeah. they're bowling along beautifully. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they lowered their colours to a, a bona fide premiership chance. So no disgrace in that. They led this game for three quarters. Uh, I think their um, young guys are developing at a rate of knots. You know, people talking about uh, the youth of at certain northwestern suburban clubs list. Well, Hawthorne have a younger <laughs> senior list than Essendon do at the moment, and their guys are developing and they're developing quickly. and And we're seeing the likes of John Newcomb. He's a ripper, John Newcomb. Um, you know, they've got Lockie Bramble uh, now back at at VFL level, so he's ready to come back. Scrimshaw, the likes of Scrimshaw, they're going to get better and better. Jared Moore. 
Uh, not Jared Moore. No, he's a former Swans player. Uh, yeah, you did. Dylan Moore. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's been terrific for a season and a half now. So they've got all the talent there and they've got good veterans who set a good example. So we were both bullish about Hawthorne and I see no, uh, no, uh, necessity to change that view. I think they're, they're three, three just outside the eight and every chance of playing finals, even in their first season. Good man. Mitchell. And don't right. mention Kelvin Moore. Uh, no, I won't mention Kelvin or Terry Moore. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but there is more Eric, Eric Moore. No, no, we're not going back there, but <laughs> there is more to talk about. Yeah. Cause there was one more game on Anzac day and we all know who that was between. One of the showpiece games of the AFL season, the annual Anzac day stoush between Essendon and Collingwood and in front of a great crowd on a beautiful day, we were both there, Rob, among that crowd of 84,205. Biggest crowd for a game of football since the 2019 grand final. Fantastic to see. And they saw a really entertaining game, won by the Magpies by 11 points in the finish. Collingwood, a phenomenally accurate 15 goals, 3, 93, defeating Essendon, 12 10, 82. The goal kickers for the Pies, Ginevan 5, winner of the Anzac medal. Gee, you could have written your own ticket on that, I reckon, pre-game. Brody Majacek, 4, great key target up there. Singles the rest for the Pies. For the Bombers, 4 to Alec Waterman, offered a really good target up forward. 3 to Jake Stringer, coming back off injury, did pretty well. And 2 to Perkins, and Guelphie singles the rest for the Bombers. Neck and neck, Rob. Uh, six lead changes, I think, in the second half. Collingwood holding a very narrow lead for the bulk of this game. And just stronger when it counted in the last quarter. Six goals straight in that final term to the Bombers. Four, uh, some big moments. Some would say a couple of big umpiring decisions, but I really don't think that was a factor. Uh, interestingly, Essendon won just about all those key statistical indicators, uh, disposals, inside 50s, clearances, centre clearances particularly, contested ball, uncontested ball. But uh, Collingwood kicked, uh, like I said, phenomenally straight, made the most of their opportunities. They also did actually take control of that centre square in the final quarter. That was when Darcy Parrish was off having rolled an ankle for the Bombers and uh, Scott Pendlebury moved into the centre of the action and did make a pretty big difference in that last quarter. I think most people would feel, despite that statistical dominance, I thought Collingwood probably played the more efficient football, the more direct football and deserved their victory. From an Essendon perspective, I guess it becomes a bit of a debate about how good a performance is this. Yes, the effort was a lot better than it was against Fremantle, but should you be patting yourselves on the back too much about losing a game to last year's 17th place team? Well, um, it, uh, it's a very good question, Rowan. They had a, a year from hell, didn't they, Collingwood, last year? So maybe we've got to go back, not to last year, but the year before to get a line through their form because last year everything went wrong. They were 17th. But philosophically, I understand what you're saying. Um, I... I thought Essen were elite in the centre bounces. Parrish getting his hands on the ball. He had 31 handballs. People saying, look, 
He's not damaging. He only went inside 53 times for his 40 possessions. Yeah, you know, the likes of Nathan Buckley and Dustin Martin would tear you apart with those sort of stats because of their high inside 50s. But what he does do is set Shield and set Merritt off and going with brilliant handball. <coughs> Pardon me. That's when it breaks down. That's when the indecisive. This is a team, as you said, couldn't have done any better in key indicators, but they've come out with exactly the same kicks as handballs. And that's a no-no. Okay. Can 100, I... 195 kicks, 193 handballs is, is indecisive. They were trying to run Collingwood. They were trying to use the ball. But, gee, that makes it hard upfield. And it made it very easy for the best player on the ground, Jeremy Howe. Oh, Jeremy Howe, best player on the ground. Oh, yeah. Not only did he set up their play, but he saved them time and time again. But he was given great assistance. Yeah. How many did he save? The young kid kicked five, got the medal. Good on him. I'm just... uh, I'm just backing up the last line of defence cartel yeah. at, this, at this stage. <laughs> no, fair what enough. What was Someone, your point, mate? What were you uh, going to say? Someone's got to stick up for them. Oh, look, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, Collingwood here. It's very yeah. always easy for us to concentrate on the Bombers, but let's talk about the Pies, but let's talk about coaching because I thought the big difference between these two teams was the simplicity and the efficiency of not just their scoring pattern. We saw how, how well they converted, but their pattern of play. They went down the corridor. Essendon allowed them to go down the corridor too much. Collingwood had a simple, direct, quick uh, methodology, if you like. They had players always on the overlap looking for the handball going past. Essendon, never there. How many times were the likes of Dylan Shield and Parrish running around in circles with no one running past on the left or right to give off the handball to? Now, that has to be a coaching issue. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to instill those patterns so they become instinctive in your players. How has Craig McRae been able to do that in the space of six games? And Essendon are still running around like headless chooks. The other thing about Essendon, their defence is abysmal, and I don't mean the defensive six. I mean their defensive mentality or lack thereof. The number of times that ball just ping-ponged out of Essendon's forward 50 straight down the centre of the ground for a scoring shot to Collingwood. They cannot defend a turnover. They give too many turnovers because their skills aren't up to par. They can't defend a turnover. They've got uh, midfielders who don't work hard enough or run hard enough defensively. Um, look, shout out to Sam Draper. I thought he was terrific. Oh, that was fight. a terrific battle. Both brought the best out. Your Grundy was down the week before. Draper hasn't set the world on fire. They both pulled it out of each other, didn't they? They really got each other going. But look, this is a a bigger question, which we're not really in the right form to discuss. But I will say this. Essendon beat Collingwood handsomely, like nearly seven goals or whatever it was, in the last home and away game of last year. Essendon went on to play finals. Collingwood finished one rung off the bottom of a ladder. How, in six games of football and a pre-season, has Collingwood become a seemingly more accomplished team than Essendon? Yes, Essendon has some injuries, but the fact that their uh, performance has fallen away so alarmingly, given those the number of injuries they've had, I think is alarming. There is something not right about the culture of that club that we both feel a lot for, Rob. And look... People might have said that about Collingwood. Well, they did say that about Collingwood because their off-field 
uh, happenings last year were a disaster. But look, look at them now. They're on the road to recovery. Why is it that these clubs, Melbourne, Richmond, the Bulldogs, Sydney, St Kilda, now Collingwood, can be down for a season or two, but Fremantle things, and Carlton turn things around on and off the field. Well, that's the and that's hang the, on now. I just want to finish yeah, this. It's you're on a roll. More than two decades, Essendon has been in this predicament. Here is a telling thing, and I've done a video on this through SPN if you want to see it tomorrow. Essendon made the finals in 2017. Following season, won two of the first eight games and were out of the finals hunt already. Essendon made the finals in 2019. Started 2020, limped over the line for some uninspiring victories and then won one of their last 10 games. And now here we are again. Make the finals in 21. 2022, they've won one of the first six games. Too many people, not just players in that club, are far too satisfied with too little, drink their own bathwater, and are just not competitive, hungry, aggressive, passionate enough about delivering results. And I've got to say, if I'm going to put my supporters hat on, I am absolutely sick of it. Spoken by Rowan Connolly. You've summed it up. <laughs> well, any thoughts? <laughs> oh, given my thoughts, I spoke it. <laughs> um, no, what it it's, it's, it, no, yeah, look, we've, we've, we've just got to remove, well, we are emotional about it. It's not the Essendon show, as you quite rightly tell me. Uh, you've editorialised brilliantly, I feel. Um, and uh, they seem to play it down, don't they? Like these, I, I, wrote, I did a tweet today, um, uh, Carlton, Collingwood, Fremantle, uh, Adelaide, they're, they're, St Kilda, they're riding off into the sunset. Yep. Where we've got the likes of Josh Marnie and Xavier Campbell and Paul Brasher talking about steady improvement. Um, um, you know, have patience. You know, what, what is wrong by saying, and, and now they've come into somewhat, it appears, a conflict with Andrew McGrath and Zach Merritt quite clearly saying, we're sick of this label of developing young. So I yeah. think you're absolutely right. There's got to be enormous pressure coming on the people at the top uh, that set the tone, Rowan, yep. that set the policy and that set the agenda. I've got yep. no problem with the coaching, no problem with the... So, you know, the office boys, you know, yep. list management, executive. Yep, uh, we're absolutely in agreement. This is a club that has a problem, not just a football team. Anyway, and sorry, great Magpie. Great summary, a great summary. And sorry, yep. Magpie fans, you guys yep. uh, have done really well to turn it around so far. Three and three, um, fantastic start to Craig McRae's coaching career and... Who knows where that may go, but certainly a, a big Anzac Day victory for the Pies. All right, that is round six wrapped up. Now we move on to previewing round seven. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round seven kicks off on Friday evening in Perth, 8.10pm Eastern Standard Time. Optus Stadium, the venue, the, ma the game between West Coast and Richmond. What do Palmer bets say? You can get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to Palmer Bet. Remember to gamble responsibly or head to head. Uh, they have got West Coast. Even at home, the outsider, $2.42, the Eagles. Richmond, the favourite, paying a dollar 
57. Now, interesting little historical um, uh, tidbit here, Rob, and that is that these two last year played one of the best games of the season. Absolute epic over at Optus Stadium in round 13 last year, which the Eagles, you may remember, won by four points. I think it was Josh Kennedy kicking a weight goal to give the Eagles a win. That, though, was pretty much the end of the season for both teams. That was in round 13. Mm. Both sides proceeded to win just two of their last nine games from that moment. So uh, it wrecked both of them, really. Richmond's record at Optus Stadium is two wins, three losses. However, two of those losses, uh, the last two, in fact, have been by just four points. One against the Eagles, which I just mentioned, and one after that against the Dockers. Uh, well, uh, Richmond, not overly impressive against Melbourne on Anzac Day Eve. West Coast, even less impressive. In fact, they were hideous against Port Adelaide. Uh, Rob, their season pretty much shot to ribbons. But I'll tell you what, Richmond's might be shot to ribbons unless they start winning and winning uh, as of this week. How do you see this one? Yeah, you're right. Eagles are shot uh, to pieces and the Tigers have just got to get this win and... Um... Hope they get Martin and Grimes back into that side pretty quickly. They got a bit of a bonus with Vloston back into the side. I thought he was terrific. Um, you, you spoke about past records. It was interesting. I read those where Kennedy and Darling in the past have kicked a six, a four, a three. So they've been steady goal kickers for the West Coast Eagles against Richmond. But can they get the same isolation the way they're playing? The interesting stat for me and the difference in this game will be incredibly the clearances where we have Richmond 18th in clearances without Martin and the Eagles 16th in clearances. So this game comes down to me is they've got Kennedy and Darling. Richmond have got Rewalt and Lynch. Nankervis hasn't got Natanui to contend with. So Nankervis for me becomes the most important player on the ground. He's, he's, he's going to dominate the ruck in my opinion and give Richmond's mediocre midfield particularly in the clearance areas a capacity to sh um, to provide enough ball for Rewald and Lynch to have a good win. Well uh, I guess a lot of speculation about uh, personnel for this game and particularly on the Richmond side of the equation two names Dustin Martin and Kane Lambert. Uh, Martin, back at the club. Great to see him back. Damien Harwick being very cagey about just when that will translate into a return to senior level. I don't think you'll be seeing Dusty come through the VFL, Rob. And uh, no, if, no, if, if, there, if there was one game um, you'd be happy to sort of throw him into, uh, it's probably against the Eagles at the moment because they are barely competitive the last couple of weeks with those Stars coming back, but sadly underdone. So it might be the perfect game to reintroduce well, him. They'll be keeping well, that quiet, though, I reckon. Yeah, what you're saying, what you're saying. Look, he's got the boots on. He's having a kick, and um, but what you're saying um, sounds disrespectful, but it's not. It's actually quite smart. Even if they take him as the medical sub, even if they take him on the bench, um, they should do enough to win this game. Big ground, gets away with the team. I think it's a perfect opportunity if they're satisfied with his physical condition. They can play him out of full forward too, don't forget. Mm. So there's plenty of options there 
if he's right to go. I think you made a good point. You know, the, uh, the, the bloke that they have missed so badly, and it's not rocket science, but Dylan Grimes out of that hamstring, out of that hamstring, out of that defence with a hamstring. Uh, just the general of that defence keeps them organised, uh, keeps it a tight unit. And they've, uh, they've been a little bit frayed at the edges without him in recent weeks since he and, got and injured. What, and you're quite right. It's just two or three people. Everyone's got injured. But the, the, the master in the middle, Martin, the, the, the captain of the side and the marshaller of the defence and one of the most underrated important players in their team is Lambert. So you get three areas back, I tell you, and uh, you, can, you can do a little bit of damage later on in the year. Yeah, well, Grimes still two to three yeah. weeks ago yeah. uh, away. Uh, the other two, you're not going to see them both come back. But I was going to say Lambert, uh, according to Damien Harbick, he wasn't all that far off making a return last week, even at VFL level, uh, been out or been hampered by that hip um, injury for a fair while now. So I don't think you won't see both Lambert and Martin come back, but a fair chance you're going to see one of them. And whichever one it is, it will make a considerable difference because, as we've said a number of times, Kane Lambert is a far, far more important part of that Richmond midfield equation than a lot of people, incredibly, still believe. Either way, the personnel will be a lot better. They need the win. Um, It's all over for the Eagles at this stage, so I think the Tigers have plenty of motivation. I think they'll do this reasonably comfortably. I'm going to go for Richmond to win this by 28 points. What say you? 26 26. Okay. Well, neck and neck on the margin front. Okay. That is Friday night. Let's turn our attention to Saturday. Arguably the game of the round, or if not the game of the round, probably the second best game of the round is down at GMHBA Stadium, aka Canunia Park, aka the Cattery on Saturday afternoon. Geelong taking on Fremantle. Palmerbet get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Uh, they have installed, not surprisingly, the Cats as uh, strong favourites, paying $1.39 head-to-head. Fremantle, $3.03 on the Dockers. Unbelievable. Who, uh, Unbelievable. Second on the ladder. Well, it doesn't happen that often. Uh, Geelong have won six of the last seven clashes with Fremantle. And... Uh, this isn't a great uh, reminder. The Dockers, the last time they played down at the Cattery was 2018. They lost that game by 133 points, the club's greatest ever losing margin. Uh, but... 130 what? Three. Right, I thank you. Um, also... However, the scene of the Dockers' greatest ever victory, and that, of course, was the 2013 qualifying final win over the Cats at their seemingly impregnable home fortress by 15 points. What a great win that was. One of only three wins for Fremantle at Cadinia Park. Uh, Just three wins from 18 starts at the venue. This is a great test of the Dockers, Rob. You know, we talk about how legitimate a side we think they are. Are they really a side that is worthy of second place on the ladder? Well, road trips don't come any tougher than this. This is a great test for them. Do you reckon they'll pass it? I reckon there'll be a 134-point turnaround. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, 
let's just go through this. Um, they're, they're, they're genuine. I know you have reservations. I think once they get five back and they have a reasonable year with injury, they're going to be right in it. I think what has surprised people, and you only have to listen to the way people talk and players talk, is their run and their pace, particularly their fitness running. Their hard running wears teams down. We saw that, you know, we've seen that quite regularly. We saw it firsthand against Essen. They just bury you with some of the hardest running in this competition. Their problem's going to be is the Cats, as you said, the Cats know how to bottle them up on this ground. They know how to stifle run. They know how to um, uh, protect the corridor. Um, and, of course, they're going to do it very well. So it is an ultimate test. But I've got a lot of confidence in this team. They've got to do a few things, which not many teams are able to do. They've got to curtail Cameron and Hawkins, right? That's pretty obvious. And in Alec Pierce, who kept right to no goals, and Mackay to one goal, he, he comes down to Geelong in his ultimate test. He's flying in form. Don't underestimate him. But then there's Cameron, the floating Cameron, onto his left foot. What a wonderful foil. And if they let Stewart and Zach Tui control space, so it's going to be a great tactical battle. Geelong trying to do what they do to stifle the run and power. Brayshaw, Sarong, all these players. And, of course, Will Brody with his physical strength. What a story he's been. It's experience at home versus the youth and vibrancy of Swakowski, Schiltz, Cox. You know, it's going to be a great game. Can I just point out, uh, you're, you're talking about them having to slow down the Dockers' run. Absolutely yeah. they do, because we know Geelong is pretty vulnerable against sides that are quick. However, that plays to a Geelong strength, doesn't it? Which is tempo football and controlled, slower movement of the football. Great, great point, and it yeah. allows Stewart... And this is a great point about your point. It allows Stuart and Tui time. Yeah. yeah. Time to organise. Time to get off their men. Time. Yeah, great point. It, it, but it's ironic too, isn't it? Because we've been at Geelong about needing to quicken their game up. And they have been trying to do that. However, this is probably the very occasion where they need to revert back to the tried and true formula, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, we start... Like these bookend games, Cats versus Dockers, you finish with Sydney versus Lions. Um, this is going to be a good test for Longmuir. Um, he's up against a very experienced coach, a very experienced team on the home ground. So this is a real coaching battle, and I'm going to be intrigued to see how it plays out, Rowan. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, put it on you here because you were sounding... Well, uh, my maths is pretty dodgy, but uh, by that equation you delivered before, it made me think that you might actually be tipping Fremantle to win this game by one point. Is that true? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a ball. Like, well, I, I don't agree with the odds one thirty three to three something. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think the challenge is right in front of the Dockers, and I'm going to give them a really good chance to have a win down there by one point. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, that would be a stunning victory. And absolutely no one, least of all me, could argue their premiership credentials if they managed to knock over the Cats down at the Cattery. I'm not game enough to tip against Geelong on their home turf, however. It is an incredible record they have down there still. 
and I think it'll be preserved. Um, they were pretty good against North Melbourne down in Tassie. They're very good at rebounding back from the um, uh, odd reversal in form. And uh, I think they'll be a player again. I don't know if they can win it, but uh, they have some seriously good players. And at home, there are several goals better side uh, yet again. So I think that's enough. I'm going for Geelong to win by 16 points. Intriguing game. Should be a great game. However, that is only the first game on the Saturday card. Let's talk about the next. Adelaide Oval is the venue for the next game in round seven. Adelaide taking on GWS. Our mates at Palmer Bet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Uh, remember to gamble responsibly. Have Adelaide as favourite. Haven't seen that in too many games the last few years. The Crows offering a dollar seventy-one head-to-head. GWS, uh, not rank outsiders. You can get two dollars fifteen head-to-head on the Giants, who actually have a pretty reasonable record at Adelaide Oval. They have won four of their last six games there. Uh, injury availability, well, uh, Crows looking okay, but, of course, for that uh, terrible loss of Rory Sloan, who uh, has had ACL surgery. Now he is, of course, out now for the rest of the season. But apart from him and uh, Paul Seedsman, who uh, is out indefinitely with concussion issues, pretty clean bill of health for the Crows. And they are on a high after a terrific win, Rob, uh, by one point over the Western Bulldogs at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. Not so the Giants, who were uh, looking very shaky indeed, um, weren't terrible against St Kilda in Canberra last Friday night, but not good enough to beat the Saints. Missing plenty of players still, the likes of Phil Davis, uh, Jacob Hock- Hopper, he has been a big loss to them. Daniel Lloyd, an underrated loss to them. Uh, Jack Buckley, another underrated loss to them, uh, key defender. Toby Green, of course, back in the action. But uh, their season hanging by a bit of a thread at this stage. Can they win an important battle here away from home against uh, an Adelaide increasing in confidence by the week? Well, you want my tip straight away? You no, want a short well, to us? <laughs> string it out a bit. Okay, look. Um, one of the... One of the um, the phrases I hate in football is, oh, the, it's such a cop-out. It'll be one in the midfield. <laughs> you know, there's so many phases of football that have got nothing to do with the midfield. Um, but in this case, I'm going to borrow it, right? It, it will be one in the midfield, and I'll tell you why. Taranto Green, Kelly, Coniglio, Ward is very good, right? Laird, Dawson, um, Crouch, in form. In real form. Now, what are both sides? And I I just want to give you a stat. It's remarkably similar. They both average 367 possessions each. They've got the same inside 50 averages. They're very close in clearances. And their turnovers are the same. They're so evenly matched on the stats, it will come to midfield supremacy and midfield ball use. That has been a key strength of Adelaide courtesy of Dawson and Smith off halfbacks and their midfield. And don't forget, they are kicking into a forward line of Walker, Rochelle, Gallant, Himmelberg, which is, in my opinion, I think they get Hogan back. 
So that might be of assistance to GWS. But if everything's even, the way these two clubs compare, I'm going to go with the home ground advantage and the versatility of the Adelaide forward line, which we saw at its... You know, Himmelberg got 0-0 last week and they still won, you know. There's, there's one guy, you're talking about the midfield, there's one guy we absolutely have to mention. Who have ben, I forgotten? Ben Keyes. He has been outstanding for the Crows. I thought I'd, oh, hang on. You know what my note said? What? Keyes led Dawson Walker. And that's what I read out. The Keys of oh, lead, okay. right? I had him at the front of the row, but I read it as oh, we'll let key, you off. We'll the let keys you off. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean it's it's um that midfield is a lot deeper than it was even a couple of seasons ago, isn't it? And obviously more experienced. Uh gee, speaking we talked about Callum Mills move into the midfield. What about Rory Laird's move into the midfield? That's been inspired. All Australian yeah. halfback flanker. Yeah. You know. No, he's been, he's been outstanding in the midfield for the Crows. And it's a much better forward setup now, isn't it? As you say, Himmelberg not a factor last week. But Taylor Walker, credit where it's due. His form uh, this season, well, and last season, really, before that uh, pretty ugly uh, incident which saw him suspended, um, has been terrific. So uh, in vintage form, Tex Walker, and uh, they are doing well. Also, shout out to uh, Billy Frampton. Uh, wow. Coming alive again. I'm not going to keep that <laughs> up every week. Um, is that old baby? I love the way. Is that he, that? Yeah, yeah. It's that the same album. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, oh god. Anyway, I can't remember Come two on. or three songs. But Billy Frampton. Uh, that is an inspired move too to defence. He was terrific for the Crows last week. Uh, don't know They've what to Doty, Doody, uh, Tom Doody, and Bucks. Doody, and, yep. And, yep. It's a it's a developing back line, yeah. and you can switch Dawson between the wing and half back, and you've got Brody Smith back into his really good kicking form. So it's a nice side. Got young Shoal on the wing. He can also go into the middle and do some tagging work. And we've spoken about the forward line. Rucks are adequate. Uh, this is quite an emerging side. Last roll of the dice. For GWS Giants, Rowan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. They're one and five. They're 15th on the ladder. If they're one and six, uh, almost impossible to send coming back from there. In fact, I don't think they'll be coming back from there. I think they're a, they're a blue-collar team now. They're the absolute antithesis of what they were back in 2016. It's quite remarkable the extent to which they've changed sort of personality. And look, they're, they're honest. But there's just not enough brilliance there on our even with some names that we've yeah. come to know for a long time, the likes of Kelly, Green, Cornelio, uh, Whitfield, etc. There is not enough class across that whole 22. Um, I don't think they're going to win this. I think the, the Crows are playing seriously good football. And I think at home, they're going to be too good for the Giants. I'm going for Adelaide to win this one by 10 points. What about you? Yeah, um, um, it's no roll of the dice for me. It's Crows by 14 points. 14 points. Okay, uh, one different from the three games so far. So that is the second game on the Saturday card. There is a twilight clash at 4.35, the MCG. Let's preview that one. 4.35 p.m. Saturday afternoon, MCG is the time, the venue, and the combatants are Melbourne and Hawthorne. It's a, a replay of the 1996 merger game 
some 26 years later. Uh, Palmerbet, get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet, always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Melbourne very warm favourites. $1.18 head-to-head, the Ds. Hawthorne paying $4.90. Last time those teams met, round 18, same venue, and the result was a draw. Melbourne, however, had won the previous four games between the two, including a semi-final in 2018. Hawthorne's last win over the Demons coming in round four that same season. Well, 13 games in a row the Demons have now won. If you uh, extend this year's victories back into last year's finals and the last few rounds, they are red hot. To be honest, they look a cut above just about every other team in the competition. They don't have many injuries. They'll regain Jake Weaver and Jack Viney from health and safety protocols this weekend. Michael Hibbard, ready to return from a calf injury, probably be doing that at VFL level. Christian Salem, still about a month away, but uh, boy, the injury list is short. The form is good. Everything just rolling along beautifully for the Demons at the moment. Hawthorne, well, we spoke about them in the wraparound. Um, They are playing some pretty decent football. Have some injury worries, though. Can they afford them? Ben McAvoy is that long-term concern with a neck injury. Uh, Ruckman Ned Reeves uh, expected to miss at least one more week, uh, which stretches them pretty thin. You'd think uh, Max Lynch will have to pick up the slack there. Mitch Lewis missed that game against the Swans after some hamstring tightness. Uh, He has a chance to come back this week. Uh, Chenkov Jath um, ruled out last week uh, with some hamstring issues. Could be back this week, which would certainly help. And I mentioned before, Lockie Bramble returned from a foot injury in the VFL last weekend, so he'd be a chance to come back too. But uh, you reckon they'd need just about all hands on deck, Rob, because the Demons are running hot. Yeah, you made some very good points. A few blokes on the periphery, not quite right. A few dodgy hamstrings. No Ruckman, nothing against uh, young Lynch, but uh, they're going up against Gorn and Jackson. And uh, they're going to need every bit of their opposition. They're going to have to borrow a Neil Danaher game plan from 1993 when Neil Danaher went to work for Kevin Sheedy on Justin Madden's tap work to Greg Williams. We're going to have to roll that one out, you know. <laughs> speaking, know speaking about history, sorry, I yeah, digress here, yeah. but Max Lynch, I was having a good look at him. He's looked something out of, uh, I don't know, Sunbury 1972 or something. He's got Nothing the, wrong with that. He's got the hair. He's got the tats. He's a pretty intimidating customer, visually. I hope he gets into them and takes <laughs> them on. But they're a quality act. Um, yeah, you're right about Michael Hibbert. He's got to get the Melways out and find a way to Cranbourne because he's at Casey Fields. There's no doubt about that. Salem's still a fair way away. And apart from that, to get Lever and Viney is an absolute luxury. Um, it, it, it's, it's a bit tough for the Hawks because they're going to get, um, uh, you know, they're going to run into Melbourne in peak form, nearly full tote odds, uh, fit, strong Ruckman, um, and the big five, Oliver, Petrarca, Langdon, Brayshaw and Gorn. And you can, I haven't even mentioned the blokes up the forward line. But um, 
the Hawks can play. They'll be in it for long periods, but you just think they haven't got the numbers. I don't think they've got the weight of numbers or the fitness capabilities with those, um, you know, to be confirmed on their list. Whereas the Demons playing well, settled, in form, and two of their most pivotal players back into the midfield and into that last line of defence, Ryan. I wonder if that draw last uh, season could be any sort of factor at all. Or I wonder has the situation changed too much since then. I mean, one of the teams has a, a different senior coach now and is playing a different brand of footy. I don't know. Is there some hope uh, for the Hawks in that? But like I said, I reckon they'd need absolutely all hands on deck. Correct. Yep. And even even then, I wouldn't tip them. Uh, look, I, I don't think it'll be a belting. I mean, the, the no. Hawks the Hawks are a pretty honest team. Um, they were certainly not disgraced against the Swans, uh, blown away a bit in that last quarter. But uh, that final margin, not reflective of the fierce contest that was for three quarters. I don't know if this will be quite as hard fought and close, but uh, I think the Hawks can make the Demons work at least a half before they start pulling away. I'm going for Melbourne to win this one by six goals, 36 hey, points. Wow, that's that's interesting. No, I'll give the Hawks a bit of a... Uh... A bit of a show at the numbers and um, with their preparation, they've got to hang in longer than they did again in Sydney. But I, I think it'll. I'm going for Melbourne by two goals. There you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, let's hope for interest's sake that uh, it's closer to what you're suggesting than I'm suggesting. But there it is. Uh, but it about... defies all logic in my summary, oh, doesn't it? My margin. Oh, well, don't do that. It's just a hunch. You cover cover both bases by uh, <laughs> going a closer margin. All right. All right. That is a battle of MCG co-tenants Saturday twilight. Saturday evening sees two games, one in Melbourne. But first, let's talk about the one up in Cairns. Kazawi's Stadium in Cairns is the venue for one of the Saturday night games, 7.25pm is kickoff time. The game is between St Kilda and Port Adelaide. What do Palmer Bet say? Well, they say you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to them. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Saints, not surprisingly, uh, reasonably warm favourite, paying $1.62 the Saints, Port Adelaide who appear to have turned their form around, you have to say, since halftime against Carlton a couple of games ago. You can get $2.31 on the power head-to-head. Now, speaking of head-to-head, some interesting numbers here. Port Adelaide have had real dominance over St Kilda for a fair while. They have won 10 of the last 11 clashes against the Saints. 10? 10. I said 10. Wow including twice last year. St Kilda played at Kazali Stadium once, have played there once. That was last year. And it was a pretty infamous loss, this one, in pouring rain against Adelaide. They led by five goals at half time and managed to lose thanks to a late comeback by the Crows. And I think it was Riley Philthorpe kicking the winning goal. Um, over his head. Over his head, correct. Good memory. Port Adelaide hasn't played at Kazali's Stadium before, for what it's worth. Uh, St Kilda, they are going great guns. Five wins in a row uh, for the first time since 2011. The one uh, negative and downside and sad because he had been one of the stories of this season, Jack Hayes, 
unfortunately rupturing an ACL and his season is over. Uh, Rowan Marshall actually uh, took a bit of a toll on Ruckman this game. He suffered a cork quad and had to battle out the game because of that injury to Hayes. Uh, Port Adelaide, well, have got their uh, season perhaps back on track. Still got some players out with injury. Charlie Dixon still a month away with an ankle injury. The perpetually injured Orazio Fantasia, he's still at least a month away. Robbie Gray be tested for a bit of a knee strain. Scott Lysette, he's out for at least three months with a shoulder injury. Had surgery on that last week. And Trent McKenzie at least another six weeks with a knee injury. Look, uh, Port look like a different proposition now than they were a couple of weeks ago, Rob. But St Kilda are flying. Uh, it's at a venue the Power haven't played before. Finding it hard to argue a case for them. What do you think? A different proposition against West Coast Eagles. Well, you can, well only, you can only beat who you're playing. Oh, that old cliche. That's fair enough. Listen, the most important bit of news you haven't gone with. What's that? Where's Ryder? His suspension's over. Is that uh, correct? Uh, two weeks. Missed two games. Yep, he's back. Okay. Paddy Ryder's back. All right. Well, now that covers that covers your your injured ruckman and a sore a sore marshal. And we know how important Ryder is. He'll be straight back into the side. I'm not sure. I haven't followed up the VFL for this side. They might look at some additional run and pace, depending on how Zach Jones is going. Um, he's had personal issues, but he has been training and back in the VFL side. So they went to Canberra. They've got to go to Cairns. So there might be some managed tra- managed um, uh, selection for St Kilda. They're certainly going to bring Ryder back. Maybe a little bit of injection of fresh legs and pace. Um, and, you know, so preparation for this game going to be important. They've been there. They've done poorly. Their record against Port Adelaide is poor. But this is a different side, as you said. Their confidence, their fit, they're covering so-called injuries. Now, some of these people like Billings, uh, former Captain Geary, uh, Hannabury, Hunter Clark, um, Cofield, they're not walk-up starts anymore, Ryan in my mm. opinion, because mm. they, they've been covered by team. Um, some of the blokes that have come in have done amazing jobs uh, in their absence and well and truly deserve to keep their side, their, their place in the side. Finlayson and Marshall, and I, I know I cut you down a little bit, sorry about West Coast Eagles, but it does give you confidence. If you're kicking five goals against any opera, you know, Finlayson hasn't had an auspicious start with Port Adelaide. But he kicked five. Marshall's a good young talent. He kicked five. Um, but I'll be very, watching very closely. Like, it's it's Wednesday morning. We've really got no idea about Robbie Gray. Um, he was coming into some good form together with um, Rosie. And um, But I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with the tried and true formula that Higgins is in great form, Gresham's in great form, and memory king and now marshall can be more a forward and i got well well summed up i'll tell you a big factor for me is that it's the way st kilda have been winning i think you know you i don't know if it's history or whatever we're sort of being used to st kilda 
being a bit spectacular to win games, or maybe not in the Ross Lyon era, but since then. But maybe there's a touch of the Ross Lyon about, about the way they're playing now. I don't mean the defensiveness per se, but I mean, they haven't necessarily been winning spectacularly. They've just been winning well. They've been good. That win over the Giants, it was a good, solid win. Uh, the win over the Suns, solid win. Yeah, look, they blew the Hawks away. That was pretty pretty spectacular. But the the win over Richmond, uh, 33 points. You know, they ground the Tigers down. Um, they ground the Dockers down in Perth. First game of the season, not so good. But they've been really good since then. But I think there's been a, a toughness and a, a mental toughness and a resilience about St Kilda this year that perhaps wasn't there even in 2020 when they were playing good footy. They just seem like they've got a bit of a harder streak about them this year than I reckon they did in 2020. My point here is that in Cairns, where it's likely to be greasy, wet, uh, ball-handling difficult, that's the sort of uh, profile you need as a side to get the job done. Not having that cost them a game they should have had shot to ribbons last year. Uh, I don't think that'll happen this time around. I think they'll win. I think it might be a low-scoring bit of a, a slog fest, this, uh, given the likely conditions. Uh, but I'm going for the Saints to prevail, let's say, by 22 points. Well done, Rowan. 1 to 39 and under 160 points. There you go, Palmer bet. And with a little bit of drizzle, a bit of dew, the odd thunderstorm and slippery, tough conditions. There's your margin and there's your under and over, folks. Hang on, what was your margin? One to thirty-nine. No, I want a specific margin, oh, please. What did you say? Twenty-two. Yeah, I know. I reckon it's been going to be a bit of an arm wrestle, and I'm going for twenty-three. Twenty-three. <laughs> okay. Well, we had great minds think alike. Uh, all right. One of two Saturday night games. Uh, the other one. Uh, well, we know what conditions this one's going to be played under, and that will be pristine, rain-free conditions, and that's because. This game is at Marvel Stadium. 7.25pm, Carlton taking on North Melbourne under the roof at Docklands. Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Have Carlton warm, hot favourites even. Head-to-head paying $1.23. North Melbourne, $4.20. And uh, if you've seen them play couple of last few games uh those odds not too surprising having said all that north melbourne have been pretty dominant over the blues in recent times they've won six of the last seven clashes between these two teams carlton uh there's certainly a perception carlton don't necessarily play great footy at docklands not so much the case the last couple of years their record there uh over the last couple of seasons is about 50 50 and North Melbourne, uh, the perception is they certainly play well at Marvel Stadium. Well, not really playing well anywhere, the Roos, <laughs> to be totally fair. But uh, as poorly at Marvel Stadium as anywhere, their record there since the start of 2020, believe it or not, is two wins and 12 losses. So it hasn't been a happy home ground for them. They were pretty poor against Geelong. Uh, they've been pretty poor probably three weeks out of the last four, with the exception being that effort up in Sydney. Uh, people are start- The natives are starting to get a bit restless, but you've got to be patient with the rebuild. Carlton, well, they're travelling a lot better than the Roos. Uh, you'd think, Rob, this one's going to be a pretty comfortable win for the Navy Blue. 
Well, it appears they're getting that uh, restless. It's uh, not very often, Rowan, in our time as uh, Twitter people that we've seen the president or the chairwoman or chairperson of the club come out and defend the club on Twitter and answer questions and also debate. And uh, it's either a very smart stand, a very strong one, or not the smartest uh, decision in the world to debate and argue with people on Twitter. But she came out and good on her. So that just shows you a little bit of worry within the camp, as you alluded to. Um, They need to show some substance, maybe not wins, but they certainly have to take out the canvas, repaint it and give their supporters and us viewers an indication of what the picture looks like. Because at the moment, a year and six games into the rebuild, you would be hoping there would be some familiarity about the way they play. Um, and there's not at the moment. There's a little bit of hit, hidden hope. Uh, a matchup that we haven't seen for a long time and still won't see it because it hasn't happened, make sense of that, is the Mackay Twins. Now one's going to miss with suspension. Uh, he's got a week. So that matchup's not going to eventually. Right? Carlton are going to miss another uh, PCL injury. Uh, Reed Grundy, Reed Pitonay. So Pitonay is now out with a knee operation, a knee injury. So that's a concern from Carlton because they go. He goes up against Sherry and also Goldstein. So they may get an opportunity here north to throw Goldstein back into the first ruck. I feel if they want to get some sort of momentum in this game. Uh, incidentally, uh, don't want to be rude when we talk about she. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Dr. Sonia Hood, who has just recently taken over, taken over as. I didn't, uh, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, no. It, I, I, it didn't come to. Uh, I knew what I was wanting to say, but her name didn't. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. no. But she's only recently taken over. Sorry, I doubt, Sonia. I doubt many people would uh, remember, and should be okay with that. Uh, Dr. Sonia Hood is the new chairperson of the North Melbourne Footy Club. Look, no, they're struggling, aren't they? Um, like I said, though, I think you've got to be patient. And I think you see efforts like they put up against the Swans and you think, well, there, there is plenty there. But unfortunately, the way the football world is now, particularly the football media, if a side is down the bottom of the ladder and they string together a couple of pretty abject performances in a row, well, everyone starts talking them down. And in North Melbourne's case, and North fans are well and truly used to this, they start talking relocation to Tassie, blah, 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 blah. Uh, rest easy. It's not going to happen. Um, look, North fans have been patient for a while now. They want to see something, but they need all hands on deck. They don't have them on deck at the moment. Stevenson likely to come back from illness. So there's one back, as you say, Mackay. He's a costly loss via suspension. The other costly Big loss is yes. you're right. You're Aaron Aaron Hall. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah, you know. They rediscovered him. Are we finishing each other's sentences now? Yes, we, we are. En- en- enigmatic, <laughs> inconsistent, uh, front-running, half-forward flanker that was quite good on his day at kicking goals. And Reinvented know, him to a half-back flank, been a very good player coming off there for North. And this is so obvious it almost uh, doesn't need saying, but, you know, Ben Cunnington, I mean, he's, mm. yeah, he's as important to North Melbourne as any single player is to any other side in the competition and he's just not a factor and 
for terrible reasons and all the best to Ben uh, in his recovery from testicular cancer. But uh, he has been a massive loss for them. They, they just simply cannot afford to be without players of that sort of class and experience uh, via the likes of Cunnington, via the likes of Aaron Hall. And it affects them suitably. Uh, look, I, I don't want to sound like constantly making excuses for them. We're certainly not making excuses for the likes of Essendon. But I think even Essendon have a bit more experience um, and uh, a few more tricks up the sleeve at their disposal than perhaps David Noble has at North Melbourne at the moment. Um, all that said, though, they do have a decent record over the Blues, and we know that the Blues are prone to the odd costly stumble. Uh, the loss of Pitnet, yeah, good uh, spot, uh, point out that um, that leaves them vulnerable in the ruck. Big job for Tom DeConey to uh, hold down the bulk of that ruck work. But uh, look, that aside, it's all going along pretty well for the Blues. I think uh, they've come back to the fold a bit recently, but they'd still, by and large, be pretty happy with their season at the stage. In, inside the eight at 4-2, not too bad a position to be in. This is a game that should... Give them a bit of a confidence boost, you'd think. Uh, I'm presuming you think they'll win. How much do you think they'll win by? I think they got a kick in the backside last week. They'll rebound. They got Cripps through what was potentially a very dangerous game coming off a hamstring to take him to the uh, to the West to play. So um, he would have pulled up well, needed the run in horse racing parlance, and he's going to be a significant issue, as is the uh, Carlton midfield. They should, North should um, put Zebel back into the midfield to give them some physical strength. He's been used in a back pocket, a forward pocket. I think this game, make a statement, go head-to-head with Cripps, physical on physical. I can't see them winning this game. I've got Carlton by 46 points, Rowan. Ooh. Okay, so you reckon the boys will uh, open them up a bit. I'm actually going for North to make this more of a battle. I think they, they've copped some real heat after that effort against uh, the Cats in Hobart on Sunday. I think they might respond to that. So I reckon they might keep the Blues reasonably honest. I'm going for Carlton to win that one by 18 points. So we come to Sunday. Three games on Sunday. Let's get into them. First game on Sunday is at 1.10pm. It is at the MCG. It is between Collingwood and Gold Coast. The Magpies, of course, uh, backing up six days after Anzac Day. Uh, Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet, have Collingwood paying $1.50 head-to-head. Gold Coast, though, not to be dismissed, you can get $2.50 on the Suns to win that game head-to-head against the Pies. And why not? Because Gold Coast's last visit to the MCG was, in fact, to play Collingwood last year. And it was, in fact, a game that they won by 24 points. Indeed, the first time Gold Coast had beaten Collingwood anywhere, home or away, since 2014. Overall, the MCG, if you are asking, Gold Coast are four wins and... 11 losses, like I said, that uh, last visit here, uh, producing that fine win over the Magpies. Well, a great win on Anzac Day, as we discussed earlier, Rob, but uh, some, wow, 
um, tough news on the injury front for them. Brody Grundy set to miss uh, the next three months with a PCL injury sustained on Anzac Day. And new recruit Nathan Kruger expected now to miss the rest of the season after uh, re-injuring a shoulder that he has had problems in, expected to undergo surgery this week. Uh, Jordan Ruffhead missed the Anzac Day game due to a finger injury, probably will miss again. A couple of guys on the way back. Uh, While we're talking injuries, let's talk about the Suns. Jack Bowes available to play his first game since undergoing shoulder surgery earlier in the season. And Tess for both Jack Lukosius and uh, Mal Rosas is the other one, a calf injury. So two handy inclusions if they can both get to the line. Uh, Pie's pretty impressive in that big Anzac Day win. Uh, the Suns would need all hands on deck and perhaps then some to be able to win. However, they did win this clash last year. Do you give them any hope in this one? Well, it's a different Collingwood side this year. Uh, they're okay, the Pies, but let's talk Grundy. Um, Cox had a quiet day. He was badly beaten from all accounts by young Reed out at Windy Hill. But I think his presence has to come in and share the ruck load with uh, Darcy Cameron. Yeah. The, op- the ruckman round. Yep. Darcy. Um, they have to share that. Um, they're not going to get Elliot back. He's weeks away. So um, my check was a very timely in for them because um, I, I just looked at them and I thought, um, you know, the young kid kicked five, my chick kicked four. They always looked like they needed another option um, with Dugowie going up forward. But they got away with it in the midfield and they got away with it, as you quite rightly said, with a really good coaching move. It was an obvious move with Grun- uh, Dugowie yeah. uh, pushing forward a little bit and, of course, Pendlebury with those five clearances in the last quarter. So there's good flexibility. They've got good run and pace through Quainer. Dacos, uh, the both Dacos boy, they give them great run. Uh is nearly 80, 90% in the midfield now. And, of course, I can't see the Gold Coast getting through Howell, Maynard, Moore and Quainer. Having said that, Essendon decimated in the centre bounce, had issues elsewhere. The Suns are the third best team in the competition in inside 50s and they match up very well on the stat sheet. Um, I think this, again, Rowan, is going to be a close game. I think the Pies are a bit buoyant. They'll love going back to the MCG, even though it is six. But if you're looking for the possibility of an upset on, on the uh, on the fixture sheet, you wouldn't be going astray by having a look at the Suns in this game. But I think the Pies, once again... Apart from the Grady, uh, the Grundy injury, they've pulled up okay. They're in pretty good form, but they're just going to have to be really, really careful because, as I said, the Suns get the ball in there. I don't, I don't see the upset happening this time, and the reason being, I think there's a real worrying trend with the Suns over the last month. Now, uh, they had a great win round one in Perth. They had a really competitive loss against Melbourne, just 13 points round two. Have a look at the uh, form line since then. They lost to the Giants by 26 points. That was okay. Um, good win over Carlton, but the last two weeks particularly. Lost to St Kilda by 26, blown out a bit in the end. 
and then a really, really poor loss in the Q clash to the Lions, who just ritually beat them up. And that one was by 52 points conceding. What was it? I think 21 goals. I'm just wondering if we're seeing the old traditional Suns decent start to the season fall in a complete hole come about round six or Good seven. Point. Good point, but I don't. I think they're more resilient. I think they've got more character in this team and um, they're going to keep it interesting for a long time. All right. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because we do need a competitive Gold Coast. It's just uh, been sadly way too often a similar story year after year. But I think Collingwood is going to win this one pretty well. I'm going for the Magpies to win by 38 points. What do you say? I think if Collins does a good job on my check and he's in good form, that'll be a really good battle. I can't see them getting through the Collingwood defence, but I can see them doing enough to keep this margin under 20 points. So I'm going Collingwood by 18. Okay, conservative margin for you. That is at the MCG, first game on the Sunday card. The second one is down the road at Marvel Stadium. 3.20pm Marvel Stadium is the time, the venue. The teams are Western Bulldogs and Essendon. Battle of the co-tenants. Neither coming into this game with a win under their belt or many wins at all this season. Palmerbet get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They, not surprisingly, have the Bulldogs as warm favourites head-to-head, paying $1.37. Essendon paying $3.12. Well, the Bulldogs have really beaten up on Essendon pretty routinely over the last decade or so. The Bulldogs have won seven of the last eight meetings between these two teams, including, of course, the last one, which was the elimination final in Launceston last year. And the margins have been pretty imposing uh, in, to wit, 49 points, 42 points, 104 points, 21 points, 30 points, 40 points, 87 points. Uh, Essendon certainly hold no fears for the Doggies. And, of course, the one exception to that run, that game in which Peter Wright kicked seven goals late last home and away season, Uh, Personnel, well, the Dogs, unlikely to get many of their uh, first-choice injured players back this week. English, um, uh, sadly missed against Adelaide last week, uh, has a hamstring injury. He will be out for another three weeks at the very least. Lockie Hunter uh, on leave for uh, personal reasons. Uh, the Bombers, well, they got injuries too, uh, to be fair. Cole Langford been out since that first game. The good news today, well, sorry, not today, yesterday, Darcy Parrish uh, was fears about syndesmosis for him, rolled his ankle early in the last quarter on Anzac Day, but he has been cleared. Still a test to play this week, but uh, if he misses, it will most likely be only one. James Stewart, his absence from defence certainly hasn't helped. He's still one or two weeks away with a calf. Gee, it's funny how often a calf injury is one or two weeks away, and then eight weeks later, it's still one or two weeks away. Uh, Will Snelling, uh, ditto with him, calf injury. He's still three or four weeks away. And the other big test to the Bombers, also in defence, Jaden Laverde, who uh, went into that game on Anzac Day looking a bit proppy and was subbed out. 
Harrison Jones came back in the VFL, but uh, ankle injury for him, and he will be tested too. Not good signs there, Robbie. Just looks like one of those guys who's perpetually injured. So injuries not helping Essendon, but as we've said, all sides get injuries. It's how you cope with them that count, and the Bulldogs certainly have greater depth to be able to cope with their injuries. I can't see Essendon matching the Bulldogs, however ordinary the Bulldogs have been playing. What do you reckon? Uh, the Dogs are two and four, Essendon one or five, so this is already a cutthroat game, particularly for the team that, um, well, both teams made the finals last year. One played in the grand final, one had a good year, and they find themselves, so already this is a cutthroat game. I can't see the, the Dogs matching Essendon, to be really? quite honest. Uh, Bruce Hunter, Keith Johansson, um, Vandermeer, McLean, and of course their number one ruckman, English. I've got no idea who they're going to send up against. The vastly improved and more intense and focused and serious Draper, who was I thought was fantastic last week. Es- well, yeah. just on that, it'll be Stephen Martin, won't it? Isn't he a, a pretty oh, right. good, good. Pretty, pretty good opponent for Pretty Sam good Draper, opponent, yeah. And I'd like to wish him all the best for his 38th birthday. Are you being serious? Or is no, he, yeah, I am. He's turning yeah. 38. No, he might as well be, right? <laughs> okay, that was good. Okay. That was, that was good. That was very uh, good. deadpan. Right, Deadpan, yeah. yeah. Um, Essendon, I think we we talk about this, uh, this effort taken for granted and uh, this insane attitude of Essendon people. Oh, the effort was great. Uh, I'm not buying that at all, but it was an intense game. It was a quick game. Uh, you said, you know, scores ebbed and flowed. Um, the Dogs struggled to defend inside 50 entries. Essendon's midfield work against a good midfield was was excellent last week. If they maintain that and they can actually kick the ball to the Marvel Stadium specialist in Peter Wright, who's going to defend Peter Wright? Essendon have to bring in the second Ruckman. They have to bring in Brian even though it's only Stefan Martin. And the reason they have to do that is because they can ruck off the bench. They have to leave right inside 50. And he can work. I'd leave Baldwin in the side. I'd certainly leave Wardham in the side. Perkins should have kicked three. He had one shot there that was a great snap that didn't quite move. So they've got enough options, Essendon, to give the dogs problems in an area They've got historical problems defending inside 50. So for goodness sake, Essen, kick the ball to the top of the square and you've got half a chance of winning this. The dogs aren't in good form. They, no, got, they, tipped out by, they got tipped out by Adelaide. They did. I, I would. Yeah, no, look, it's a valid argument. I would just make this point. I think Adelaide's a pretty decent side at the moment. So I don't think that was a terrible loss. Um, they did beat up on the Kangaroos. Okay, admittedly, that's not much of a guide. But don't forget, they had a fantastic win against uh, Sydney, and that is now a month ago. But, you know, they are a side that's capable of flicking a switch and hitting their straps pretty quickly, and then they become a bit of a momentum team. So they they are not playing great footy, but I don't think they're that far off turning it around. And look, I know I was really harsh on Essendon earlier, if if you heard our uh, review. Uh, look, Essendon, the effort was pretty good on Anzac Day. Is that enough against a side as well-equipped as the Bulldogs? Yes, they are missing some personnel. I just think they've still got enough to beat Essendon. Um, so we're going to differ on this one as well. What is your tip? And your, what, yeah, go on. 
couple Come. of provisos. I'm yep. allowed provisos. Yep. Darcy Parish must play and must be fit. Yep. And the Western Bulldogs must decide on the role of uh, Bontempelli. You're right. full forward. You're either in the middle. They were too slow to put him into the middle. So there's a couple of provisos. I'm going for Essendon by 14 points at Marvel Stadium in particular. Anywhere else in the universe, it'd be the Western Bulldogs. Okay. I am going for the Western Bulldogs regardless. Not by a lot, though. I think Essendon can, uh, and and you've made some very good arguments here. I think Essendon can certainly push them all away. Uh, I'm going for the Western Bulldogs by 12 points. That leaves one game left in round seven, and this one, arguably, in fact, I would say definitely the match of the round. Well, the final game of a round uh, is often a bit of a non-event, but uh, this one is a corker. It is at 4.40pm at the SCG, and it brings together Sydney up against Brisbane. Two legitimate top teams, two exciting sides to watch. This could be a spectacular game. What do Palmer bets say about it? Are the odds spectacular? Well, they're close. Get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season, thanks to Palmer bet. Uh, hard to know which way to go on the odds front with this one. Sydney paying $1.85 at home, head-to-head. Brisbane, just fractionally the outsider. The Lions offering $1.95. Sydney have dominated Brisbane in recent times. They have won 12 of the last 14 clashes between these two teams. And tell you the other notable uh, historical thing here, Brisbane's record at the SCG. In short, it stinks. They have won just one of their last 11 visits to the SCG. And that is a a run spanning all the way back to their three-peat days, I think, of 2003. So, look, they're in great form. They beat up on Gold Coast last week. Sydney had to struggle to get over the line against Hawthorne, but a barnstorming nine goal last quarter. Uh, perhaps that just flicked the switch for them. Uh, should be a fantastic game. How do you see this one panning out? It is the match of the day. Um, it's a fantastic game. I'll put my tip first. I had um, Sydney by a couple of goals uh, based on the home ground advantage. But but that record is confirmed to me that... Um, without uh, any research that you obviously do so well, um, I just had a gut feeling that they don't handle this ground well for some reason. That's an astonishing stat. On paper, Brisbane have got a very, very good and settled side with only Hipwood out. They've both got identical scores against, which is 443, or well, not identical, to 441. So they both are in the in the top echelon of defensive teams. Hipwood's the only one out for Brisbane. They've been remarkably settled um, where Ronke's come in to replace Papley and done a pretty good job last week with three goals. And well, Dickie's just, out. Yeah, just on that, though, uh, some speculation that Papley might make a surprise return for this game. I wouldn't. Would he use him and Ronke? Uh, no, it would have to be at Ronke's expense. But After you, three goals. Oh, well. I'd be going with Papley. <laughs> they're, um, they're, oh, yeah, fair enough. They're both uh, in the top six in inside 50s. The Lions are third in the clearances. And um, uh, everywhere you look, you just change your, change your opinion, look at the sides, um, a settled, 
Would would you imagine that Brisbane is slightly more experienced, Rowan, across oh, yeah. the board? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about with those young kids. So Heaney and Parker up against the likes of McCluggage. Zorko's been a bit of a revelation down half back. You know, there's, there's sides are starting to put these smaller setup players. We've seen Dacos at Collingwood. Obviously, um, Daniel at uh, Footscray has been doing for a number of years. And now Zorko's being moved back. So um, it's very, very hard to find a winner here. So I just thought I'd stick with the home ground advantage. And you've confirmed the absolute deplorable record of the Lions at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Makes me feel a bit more comfortable. So uh, give us a margin then. Um, 19 points. 19 points. Um, I really hope this. Often when you get two sort of attacking teams up against each other, they cancel each other out. You get a bit of a, a disappointing sort of uh, uh, Mexican standoff sort of thing. I hope that isn't the case because I'd love to see both these sides sort of running and gunning from half back. I don't you know, think they will. It's a great point. I can't yeah. see that happening, Rowan, particularly yeah. on the smaller ground. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, well, fingers crossed because, uh, uh, gee, there's some of the most exciting players in the competition. Not only that, some of the the new wave of exciting players in the competition. We talked about McInerney. We talked about Warner, uh, Brisbane. You know, you've got the likes of, of McWuggage. Um, yeah, what some, about Bailey? Six goals. Uh, yeah, oh, how could I forget? <laughs> Zach Bailey. Um, yeah, but some of the emerging stars of potentially the next decade will be on show in this game. So I'm really looking forward to watching this game. Um, and yeah, look, I can put a bit too much stock in history and records at venues, etc. But I think this one really does have some stock about it. Look, Brisbane don't play here often. They haven't played here well. Sydney did have a spell where uh, they weren't going too well on their own home patch, but I think they're starting to play well there again. Well, they're starting to play well everywhere, so that uh, certainly helps. This is a good test for them because uh, Brisbane are red hot, particularly up forward. Um, pity mm. about Paddy McCartan. His, oh, yeah. uh, his loss could be really pivotal. Uh, wouldn't underestimate the potential absence of Logan McDonald up the other end either, so something to be considered. But uh, I think Sydney playing really good footy. I think that uh, last quarter against the Hawks was, wow, pretty power-packed. Uh, I don't think Brisbane will be letting them play that sort of level of attacking footy, but I think they can uh, play enough of it and hit the scoreboard hard enough to win. I reckon, uh, I reckon this is going to be a great game. I reckon it's going to be close. I'm going for the Swans to win this one by six points. Bringing to an end round seven, and also bringing to an end this monster, both uh, review and preview episode of the Footyology podcast. As always, proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Always remember to support the Footyology podcast. And you can do that financially at the supporter page, thanks to Acast, wherever you are listening to our little show. And why not, while you're on it, become an official Footyology patron via one of the many links at Patreon. And you'll find them on the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. Plenty of great reading up on the site right now as we speak. And you can find a link to this podcast 
on the site as well. Check it out. It's not just about sport. We do all sorts of other subjects as well. So check out quality reading. We do not pursue clickbait. So if you want a quality read, quality analysis, whatever your sphere of interest, you will find it at footyology.com.au. Thanks to your company, people. Thanks for your uh, continued support, Mr. Co-host. Um, things are going to settle down now. We won't be so much cool. all over the shop. Let's hope so anyway, because we're so old, we'll be completely thrown by that prospect if it were to eventuate. Now I'm going live to the Dogs versus Essendon, so I want you to make a really close assessment of the match of the round. Rowan, I'm leaving Sydney and the Lions in your capable hands. I think uh, I think that might be well advised because uh, I'm not coping too well with Essendon not playing well, <laughs> as several people in the train carriage on the way home from the MCG <laughs> discovered on Monday night. Boy, I'm getting cranky in my old age. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, Thank enjoy, you. Enjoy your weekend of footy. We will be back on Sunday to wrap up what should be a really exciting round seven. We'll see you then. Yeah.